So welcome back to Sunday School. I'm continuing with my Bible study on the book of Romans. And we've been reading Romans chapter 8 in the last episode. And we're going to be continuing reading it. And the end of Romans 8 and the rest of Romans 9 is the clearest passages that Calvinists quote to affirm their doctrine. So for those of you who don't know what Calvinism is... Calvinism is this heretical doctrine that God decides before we're born whether or not we're going to go to heaven or if we're going to go to hell. And so God chooses some people that he just doesn't like for some reason to just go to hell for no other reason other than he just doesn't want them to go to heaven now i've been pretty clear in most of my videos that i am totally against calvinism because calvinism if you were to believe it would tell you that god is evil god's punishing you for no reason you didn't do anything wrong you didn't do anything to anger god it's just something about the way you are it's something just innate in your nature that is unchangeable there's nothing that you actually did wrong there's no way that you can make god love you it's just evil it's satanic so let's get back into the text and see where we left off so in the last episode we started talking about what waits for us in heaven see many people and many christians believe that when we die if you're saved that you're going to go to this place up in the clouds and you're going to be playing a harp and it'll be like a big church service for eternity but that's not what the bible teaches the bible teaches that one day in the future all of us who are dead that are in christ are going to rise up from the grave unto a new earth with animals with plants dirt physical world but it will be a world without death without suffering and paul calls us to hope for it for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees why does he yet hope for but if we hope for that which we do not see then we do with patience wait for it see we're saved by placing our hope in this future event that's gonna happen when we will have true eternal life forever a world where there is no suffering where there is no pain where there is no death and we need to patiently wait for it every day of our lives likewise the spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of god and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are the called according to his purpose right and what paul's saying here is that you know being patient maintaining our faith it's very hard it's very difficult to do that we're going to go through trials and tribulations in our life but the holy spirit god living in us is going to look out for us and help us to overcome these things and the holy spirit that lives in us will make prayers on our behalf to god to make sure that we don't lose faith but right here in verse 28 at the end of that little bit that i read is the beginning of where calvinists get their doctrine to them who are called according to his purpose what calvinists believe is that god 
randomly chooses people according to some unknowable purpose that we are unaware of. But God knows, and we just have to kind of trust that God has a good reason. But we continue, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, to whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now Calvinists take these couple verses here and twist them around and wrestle around with them to make it teach that God predestined us before we were born to be someone who would believe in Christ and be someone who would go to heaven and that God has predestined other people to go to hell. But of course, this is not what it's saying. It's not saying that we are predestined before we were born to be saved. And I know that's not what it's saying because it doesn't say that anywhere in the text. It says we are, quote, predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are not predestined to be saved. We are not predestined to believe. There's no special work God has to do on your heart, some special switch to turn that makes you a believer. The only thing God predestines us as Christians to do is to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, what does that mean to be conformed to the image of his son? That means that once you become a Christian, once you believe the gospel and you're saved, you are predestined to a particular end. Now, that's not saying that you don't have any more free will, but essentially it would be like saying if you're a Christian, you're predestined to have eternal life. If we are saved, then regardless of our actions, regardless of our free will, we're going to have eternal life, right? That's already been predestined. That's what the Bible says. He who believes has eternal life. So there's nothing we can do to change that. So long as we believe, we will have eternal life. On the same token, we're also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And what that means is it means that over time, we are going to become more and more like Jesus in our character. We're going to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves more and more. We're going to turn away from sin. And of course, we're never going to be perfect. But one day when the resurrection finally happens, we will be transformed and be given a new heart and a new mind that will not want sin anymore. So all people who are saved, they are predestined to become sinless and to be the brother of Jesus so that Jesus may be the firstborn son among many brothers and sisters. That is what we are predestined to. We are not being predestined, chosen before birth to be saved. Instead, we are predestined to become like Jesus after we believe. As it says, to whom he did foreknow, he predestinated. 
See, God knows before we're born that we will believe in the gospel. And so if we believe in the gospel, we will be predestinated. And God knows before we get predestinated that we will be predestinated. As he continues in verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. They interpret that to mean that you have to be predestinated first and then you get called. However, it could just simply mean that someone who is predestinated is also called. This statement does not necessarily have to be listed in chronological order. Regardless, those who are predestinated are also called. And to whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. See, so if you were called and you accepted the calling and you believed in the name of Jesus Christ, then you have been justified in the eyes of God and you have been predestinated to have a glorified body in the future that will not want sin and that will not die and you will live forever with god on a new earth with no death no pain no suffering and jesus will be your brother and you will be able to have a direct relationship with god you'll be able to touch god you'll be able to feel god you'll be able to hear god you'll be able to see god and you'll know God in a way that you can never know God on this earth right now. But of course, Paul's not saying any of what he just said to teach us how to get saved. As I mentioned in the last episode, and I'll mention again, Romans chapter 8 onward is talking about what to do after you get saved. And the reason Paul's giving us this wisdom about predestination, about how we're going to be the sons of God, how in the future we're going to have glorified bodies that will not have the lust to sin, is to encourage us and make us celebrate and take away our fear. What shall we say then? If God be for us, then who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's telling us these things because he wants us to have total and complete trust in God. He wants us to rejoice 
every day for what God has done for us and gives a true understanding of what God has done. And the reason he talks about these things like predestination and election is because he wants us to know that all people who believe they can have total and complete assurance that they will go to heaven. If you are a believer and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right now, you can know 100% sure that you will go to heaven and there is nothing that anyone can do to take away that salvation. There is nothing that any religious teacher, there's nothing that any persecution, there's nothing that any evil thing falling upon you could do to take you away from God. No demon can take you away from God. Satan himself can't take you away from God. You are secure and God will love you forever. God will never stop loving you. And that is what Jesus Christ has given to us through shedding his blood. There's no amount of sin that you can do that will separate you from God. There's no amount of evil deeds. There's no amount of blasphemy that you can say that will separate you from God. God will love you forever. No matter how much you mess up, no matter how far you fall, God will always be there for you to pick you back up. All you got to do is just believe in Jesus and believe that Jesus' sacrifice made peace between us and God. And if you believe that, that's it. There's no other step to salvation. There's no other thing you have to do. You don't have to prove your salvation through good works. You just believe and you are secure forever eternal security and I'll always remember that because there's lots of pastors out here lots of christian youtubers especially who are going to try to convince you that you can never be sure that you're going to heaven you can never be sure that god loves you and that god's going to stop loving you if you sin but that's not what the bible says the bible says that no matter what we do once we believe we are predestined, there's no escaping it. We will enter through heaven's gate. When you die, you won't have to peek over. You can walk right in with no fear and God will accept you. So in the next episode, we're going to go into Romans chapter 9, which is really going to delve into Calvinism. The entire chapter is used by Calvinists to beat people over the head and convince them of their satanic doctrine, their blasphemy that God's evil and that God hates us, which is not true. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we could have eternal life. That's true love. God doesn't hate people. God's not going to condemn people to hell for willy-nilly. But we're going to get into that in the next episode, so stay tuned. I'll be trying to get these out a little more frequently. I took a little break from YouTube, but we're back, and we're going to try to get this out every Sunday, hopefully, again. That's all. Thanks for watching. See you next time.